Deuteronomy 28. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Our friends, we come in our studies uh, in Deuteronomy uh, to this famous 28th uh, chapter. And uh, very simply, the title is Blessings and Cursings. Blessings and Cursings. Well, you know, if you read the chapter, uh, there are more cursings than blessings in this chapter. Uh, there are 68 verses here and 14 uh, speak about blessing and the rest, 54, speak about cursing. And uh, we have uh, both uh, here presented to us. Perhaps if we had our way, we would have put a full stop at the end of verse 14. That would suit us nicely. That would be fine for us. Just stop there. Uh, that would be fine. We don't want to hear the rest of it. That's what people are doing today, you know. That's what people are doing. They just, they don't want God as he is. They want half a God. They'll only take the portions of God that they like, the attributes that are nice and pleasant, God's goodness, God's kindness, God's grace, or God's mighty love. They want that. That's it. That's the God. They don't bow down to idols like people do in the past, but they have an idol in their own mind. So an idol of their own imagination because that's all God is to them. God is love, is what they uh, say. Well, friends, you know, uh, they don't want to know about his justice. They don't want, don't want to know about his judgments. They don't want to know about his righteous anger. But all of these are also in the scriptures. So we must go with the God of scriptures as he has revealed himself rather than following our own thoughts. But you know, friends, believers may be like this too. We also may have a God of our own making, in a sense, or only just taking those parts of God that we like. We think there are some, there are some believers who think, well, God is always smiling on me, irrespective of how I live or how I carry out my life or what I do or what I don't do. He's always looking down on me in a kindly way. He's always smiling at me. He's always happy with me. He's never displeased. He's never frowning on me. They see God in this way. God is never displeased with, with me. Uh, th this is how people think. But this chapter, friends, actually uh, shows us otherwise. Now, it's true, of course, Christ loves us with an everlasting love. And he will never remove that love from us if we are his people and we believe in his name. He will always love us. He will never take that away. He, regardless even of what we do, he will continue to love, love us to the very end. But if we walk contrary to him as his people, if we live in disobedience, if, our love, if I'm a believer and my love for Christ grows cold and I become uh, less uh, zealous for him and for his kingdom, if I become slack, in my obedience for Christ, then he may retreat from me. 
He may walk at a distance from me. He may even hide his face from me uh, for a while to make me realize that he's not very happy and that something is wrong. He may show his displeasure by things going wrong in my life, circumstances not you know, fitting in. We don't want to uh, jump to conclusions when things go wrong because life is full of troubles. But if it does happen, you'll know. Whenever the Lord wants to correct us, and if He is unhappy with us because of the way we're living, or we're backsliding, or something or other, we'll know in our conscience, we'll know in our mind why such and such a thing may happen. So He may withdraw His help from us. We may find that our prayers are not being answered. We may find that the things of the world are growing more stronger to us and we, we, cannot, uh, we, we have no desire for the spiritual things. We won't lose our salvation, but we will lose the felt help of God in our life uh, for a time until we realize we must come back. We must come back. That's always the purpose of uh, judge, uh, 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 this temporary sort of punishment from the Lord is that we may come back to Him and be restored to him. It's a fatherly chastisement from high. But this chapter, friends, just as we introduce it, it's not telling us, I have to say, how to be saved. Don't get it wrong. This is not telling us that you have to obey. If you obey these commandments of God, then God will bless you with salvation. And if you disobey, well, then God, then you're under God's curse. This is not what's being said here. God doesn't reward us for obedience uh, with salvation. Salvation is by grace. That's what's been taught right throughout the scriptures. Salvation is a free gift from God. God doesn't want you to do anything. If you today here are still trying to work for your salvation and earn the favor of God, I'd say to you, stop. Cease now. God says to you, stop working for it and begin receiving it. Take it, receive it as a gift from the Lord. That's what salvation is. It's not what I do uh, for God, it's what Christ has done for sinners like ourselves. And the question is not my works, but the question is, friends, are you trusting in Christ? Are you trusting in Him for uh, salvation and in Him alone? Uh, you, you need to look outside of yourself to the saviors. That's, that's where salvation alone is found, not even in our obedience uh, to the things of God. And we have to say here that as Moses is preaching this to the, that new generation of people uh, who are ready, on the border, ready to go into the land of Canaan, even amongst them, two million plus people, there was a remnant who believed in Christ. Not everyone, but there was a remnant who believed in the Messiah who was going to come and uh, take away sins. They knew salvation by grace and they were trusting in Him. But uh, here in this chapter, we're thinking more about uh, this national covenant that God made with Israel in Mount Sinai. And we'll look at the chapter in two ways, in its relation uh, to Israel uh, particularly as a nation, and also in a spiritual sense, and uh, lessons that we can draw uh, for ourselves. But we can see it's, this is for those who are already in a relationship with God. In verse 1, uh, the Lord says, or Moses says, 
the commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God, he refers, it's the Lord thy God. He's already your God. You're already in a relationship with him. And that's who this chapter is referring to. Well, just two headings. And the, the first one is uh, blessings. And we see this in verses 1 to 14. Moses here is enumerating uh, the blessings that will overtake the children of Israel if they hearken diligently. Verse 1, it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Israel is in this national covenant that God has made with them there at Mount Sinai and their continuance in this covenant and under God's blessings is dependent upon their obedience. If they obey, God will continue to bless them. It's a conditional uh, promise. If you hearken uh, diligently and uh, do my commandments, then all these blessings shall come upon them. Oh, blessing, friends, what does it mean? does the word mean? We often pray, Lord, bless me, or Lord, bless uh, such and such a person. What does it mean? Well, uh, uh, the blessing of God is the favor of God. It is the active favor of God. It's God moving uh, to actively bless an, a person or a nation in this case. It's God actively giving a good gift uh, uh, to, uh, to others. In this chapter, we have the word blessed and blessing is found 10 times. And Israel is told, they, in, in, in effect, you will receive a tenfold blessing uh, from God if you obey. If she obeyed, she would be healthy and she would be wealthy and she would be happy and she would be a strong uh, individual on, on an individual level, on a family level, on a national level. They will be blessed in every way if they kept the commandments of God. Verse 2, it says, these blessings would come on them and would overtake them. They would, uh, over, it would be pursuing after them as they set their mind on keeping God's words. Behind them, rushing from behind, would all blessing after blessing after blessing will come upon this nation. That's the promise that is given to them if they obey. In verse 1 as well at the end there, we read that they would, if they obeyed, they would be elevated above all the nations uh, that are around about them. Uh, the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Not to make them proud, not to make them feel superior, as if we are a superpower, the superpower of the world, and exalt them in that way. That's not what's in mind here. It's God would exalt them in the sense of making them a light to other nations. People would look and see what was happening in Israel, and they would say, wow, their God is amazing. Their God is phenomenal. Their God has done great things for them. That land is so blessed. They are so strong. They are so uh, powerful, uh, a nation. And they would see how so many good things 
were, were flowing towards Israel, and so many blessings were coming uh, uh, along their way, that they would be, it would be a testimony to all the other nations with all their idols. And they would look at our idols and they would say, what have I, our idols done for us? They've done, they haven't done half, or not even a, a, a smidgen of what, the, the, what God has done for these nations. And they would be moved uh, to uh, obey Him and to follow Him and submit to Him uh, or, or as well. It was a testimony to the other nations. That's the role, that's our role, friends, as a church. The church today is meant to be a light to the world, to testify to our unbelieving neighborhood and communities where God has put us that God is true, God is real. To serve the Lord, it's a good thing. It's a blessed thing. It's a happy thing for us uh, to serve the Lord. We're not uh, coming in un unwill without uh, uh, desire and without uh, unwillingly into God's house. We're joyfully uh, serving uh, Him. Verse 13 says, they would be a world leader. They, were, they would be the head and not the tail. They would be above and not beneath. And uh, that God would uh, bless them uh, for following Him. This is what God uh, had waiting uh, for Israel. And this is, we could say, was, was their experience during the time of King David and King Solomon, well, Israel was respected. And uh, people came from afar, you remember, to, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And when they saw all the way, that his, his wealth and the glory that was in his palace and so on, they were, uh, they were lost for words. God had truly uh, re uh, blessed them as they were honored him. But it didn't last very long. And soon they forsook the ways of God and they became weak, and they were overcome in so many ways. Now you'll notice, friends, that all these blessings here, which are mentioned, are earthly blessings. They're all earthly. In verse 3, blessed shall thou be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in, in the field. Uh, the, the, the cities would be, would be populated, business would flourish, uh, the, it would be a safe place uh, to live. Their families uh, would be blessed. They would have large uh, uh, families, the fruit of their bodies. Their children would be strong and they would be healthy. Their orchards and their vineyards uh, well, would be uh, bulging with fruit. Uh, their storehouses, their barns uh, would be full. They would have more uh, than enough. They would be blessed and favored uh, in business dealings and uh, even in their battles with their enemies. They would be uh, victorious. Verse 9, the Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he had uh, sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep, uh, if thou shalt keep uh, the commandments of the Lord thy God. And he goes on to say that he would settle them uh, in their land. So much so that they wouldn't, uh, uh, that they would not, none could eject them from their land. All these privileges will come upon them. Verse 10, all the people of the earth shall see thee, that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee, afraid to invade you, afraid to come against you, but also afraid in the sense of being in awe. They would stand in awe uh, of you. Verse 12, the Lord shall open unto you 
uh, his good treasure, and at the end, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Israel would be a prosperous nation. There would be no national debt uh, for it. It would have all that it needed. But it's all conditional. All these blessings and more were all conditional. If you keep uh, my commandments. Again, verse 9. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God. God is not asking perfection from them. God is not asking them to be uh, entirely perfect in all their ways. But he did look for a sincere, diligent effort on their part to do his will. This is what he's asking. Keeping my law at the forefront of your, of your mind and uh, seeking to do it and to obey it. Uh, that was, uh, that's what uh, these, uh, he is requiring from them. And if they did that, well, all these blessings would ensue. Now, friends, this raises a big question for us. When we read of such earthly blessings, we may ask, well, are such earthly blessings for believers uh, today? If I keep God's commandments, well, will I be blessed with health, wealth, and prosperity? Will everything go well for me, as it says here today? Well, there are some preachers today, isn't it, who jump on texts like this, and they will be very quick to tell you, yes, that's what God wants for you. God wants you to be prosperous. God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and, and, and so on. And uh, they announce the blessings, but often they say not, next to nothing really about the need to be obedient. And uh, they don't mention uh, the curses. But friends, uh, there, there are three things we could, uh, we could say when we're thinking about this question about our earthly blessings uh, for believers uh, today. Firstly, these were primarily for Israel uh, in the land of Canaan. It's a part of their national uh, covenant and that uh, blessings were specifically for them. But yet, at the same time, we can say that temporal blessings do come in a certain way, we could say, to those who obey the Lord. There is some blessing, there is some uh, connection between our obedience to, to Christ and our turning to Him and uh, with some earthly uh, temporal blessing. You see this, isn't it? When a person is uh, converted to the Lord, when a person becomes a Christian, their life changes. Before, they were very much like that prodigal son who wasted his, his, his stuff, wasted all the money his father had given him, all his inheritance on wine, women, and song. He misspent all he had. He wasted his life doing nothing, just parting, and uh, eventually was brought right down. But when he uh, came to himself, then he returned to his Lord, uh, his, rather his father, and his life changed. Order came back into his life, and blessing came back, and food came back for him. Well, it's the same for us when, uh, when we are Christians. So often, when we become Christians, uh, we begin to use, and we adopt those biblical principles in our lives, but we begin to live life in a better way. We become good stewards with the money that God has given to us before we squandered it on unnecessary things. We wasted it uh, on online shopping and Black Friday deals and things we didn't really need, we, we bought. 
But now we're more careful with how we're spending our money. So it means we've got more money in our savings, more money in our, in our bank, more money for uh, other good things. Our health improves, we could say, isn't it? Before we, and now we want, as God's people, to eat to the glory of God. And so we're not going to be just eating uh, whatever. We want to be, keep our bodies for the Lord. There's, we begin to serve our employer in, as, as we're serving the Lord. Maybe before we were late to work, we didn't care. Maybe we didn't care how we did our work. We were half-hearted, but now we're doing it for the Lord. And now we want to uh, please, please Him. And so we're diligent in our work, and we're on time, and we're, we make sure we do things well because we don't want to bring the Lord's name into distribute. And your manager notices, and he gives you promotion. Well, that's an earthly blessing, isn't it? But it's, a, it's something uh, that's come as a result of believing the Lord. Order in the family uh, comes. Order in a person's individual life. Stability. All these are temporal blessings, but they come so often when we come to know the Lord. But we have to say, really, uh, that the, 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 bless, the far superior blessing for the believer are not earthly ones. They are spiritual ones. Of course they are. Ephesians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Israel had an earthly inheritance. The believer in Christ, well, he has a heavenly inheritance. Yes, he has many temporal blessings, but he has all spiritual blessings in Christ. He has blessings that the unbeliever doesn't have. He has peace with God. He has a conscience that doesn't condemn him, doesn't harass him. He has a name written in heaven. He has access to God so he can pray in all his troubles. He can pray and cry out to God for help. He may lose his health, but he knows he will never lose his salvation. He will never lose his place in heaven. He may lose earthly goods. Or he may not have as many as other people have, but his faith enables him to say, well, I've got a store of goods prepared for me in heaven. I have, I'll wait for those things, for those blessings to come. Things may go against him in this world, but he's able to answer and to rise above them and to say, shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord and not evil, not trouble? These are blessings, friends, and so many more that we have in Christ. But we must uh, move on to uh, the cursings uh, from verse 15 to the end of the chapter. Verse 15, if it shall, but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon you. Israel, if they obeyed, those blessings would surely follow. But if they disobeyed, then just as surely, all those, these curses are going to pursue them, and these curses are going to overtake them. Now the word cursed means it's the opposite of blessing, the disfavor of God. And this time it is God actively uh, withholding a blessing from a person or the nation. God actively bringing trouble. 
God actively bringing disasters and unfavorable uh, situations into a person's life. Uh, here we, we see this in verse uh, 20. The Lord shall send upon thee, uh, Israel, cursing, vexation, and rebuke. Verse 21. The Lord shall make the pestilence a cleave unto thee. Again, verse 22. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption. And so on and on it goes. The cursing in, uh, comes from the Lord. You remember the very first time uh, something was cursed by God was in, in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve had sinned and the Lord said to Adam Genesis 3 17 and 18 cursed is the ground for thy sake in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee now friends when something is cursed of God it means it is loaded with troubles for man Israel would be loaded with troubles if they went against God, if they left off serving God, and if they went after other gods, they went to, into idolatry. Well, things then were going to get progressively difficult and difficult and more and more uh, difficult for them as they went along the way. They would have trouble in so many different ways. And some of these are outlined here. Trouble in their cities, trouble in their homes, the land would lose its uh, fertility. Uh, there would be disease among the flocks and the cattle. God would re remove his protecting and preserving hand from the nation. Verse 20, there would be, the Lord would send cursing and vexation. Dis distress and anguish and stress would fill the people, uh, people's mind. People would lose their zest for life and for living. Disappointment after disappointment would come their way. Plagues and pestilence. And the rain would be uh, withheld. And on and on it goes. It's a downward spiral, ever increasing in pain and perplexity. All their, their efforts, their best efforts, will come to, no to nothing. They will plant seeds in abundance, but they will gather little. They will plant vineyards, but they wouldn't be able to drink from the vine. They will plant olive trees, but they couldn't use the oil to anoint themselves. Frustrated in everything that they were putting their hands to uh, is, the, is this curse involves. And even a deportation from their own land to a foreign land. Verse 25, uh, B, we read that. And shall be, you shall be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. And again, verse 36, the Lord shall bring thee and thy king which thou shalt set over thee unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, and there shalt thou serve other gods, wood and uh, stone. So all these things, Moses is warning the people, this is what will happen to you if you turn away from the Lord. Well, God in fact is warning them. But friends, please don't think when, we, when God says these things that God is threatening them God is not threatening them. God loves Israel. God cares about Israel. He's done so very much uh, for them. But as a father, uh, he's warning them and saying, if you go down this route, then all this and this you can expect will happen to you. That there are consequences for sin. There are consequences for disobedience. But they're all uh, with the intention also to bring you back to myself. 
we may ask, how? How did Israel fare once they got into that land of Canaan? Did they stay loyal to the Lord? Did they love him or were they, did they turn traitor? Well, you can read for yourself, isn't it? You can read from, from the book of Judges all the way to Malachi and you will see the history of Israel. There were many ups and downs. There were more downs than ups. There were times, as we mentioned, when uh, Israel was blessed, when David and Solomon sat on the throne. But there were just a few periods of blessings. Josiah, uh, King Josiah is another one. But great lengths of time really were spent in them serving other gods. In them, in the prophets, again and again, repeatedly calling them to turn from their, their idolatry and turn back to the Lord. And instead of other nations being afraid of Israel, we read it became an astonishment, a proverb, a byword uh, to other nations. And that word byword means like a taunt. There was a word of contempt, a word of reproach, as if to say, oh, uh, do you think I'm a Jew? Somebody would say, it was, you're, you're insulting me by calling me a Jew. That was what would happen to them and what did happen to them as a result of them going away from the Lord. Well, friends, uh, we see some reasons for such uh, judgments from God uh, verse, in verse 47. We just look with me there. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. That surprises us, isn't it? Maybe. Ingratitude. One of the reasons why these judgments will come upon them is because they would lose their appreciation of all that God had done for them. They stopped giving thanks to God. They stopped praising Him. God had done such an amazing thing for them. God had brought them into a land of their own, into a land that was flowing with milk and honey. All the, the best land in the world, we could say, the, the most ideal place at that time to live because God had prepared it uh, for them. And they ought to have been full and overflowing with thankfulness to Him and appreciation to Him. Lord, how you have blessed us. We are so glad. We are so thankful. We didn't earn these things. We came into the land. The houses are all prepared for us, all fully furnished. And the, 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 the rain was, was, was coming down and watering the land. We had so much going for us. We are so grateful to you, Lord, uh, for these things. And they ought to have served him gladly. But they didn't. They didn't give him thanks, friends. And that's one reason uh, why the troubles came upon them. What about us? What about us, friends? God, uh, we as believers, God has not loaded us with troubles. God has loaded us with blessings. Yes, we have some troubles in life, but our blessings surely outweigh our troubles. Do you thank God for your blessings? Do you count your blessings? Do you thank Him every day uh, for these things? Do you recount the good way God has led you? And are you always, is the cup always half empty with you? Oh, are we always moaning and grumbling about what we don't have? Instead of realizing, I have so much I ought to be thankful for. Do you give rejoicing God, the giver, as well as in the gifts? But then another reason for the judgment, friends, was their carelessness. And we see this in verse 58. 
if thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful. Basically, Israel played fast and loose with God and with his law. Take it or leave it. They didn't really care. They were not conscientious to keep God's word. They took it very lightly. How could they treat God, the Almighty, who had done such things for them? The one who's all-glorious, full of majesty, the maker of all things, the awesome God. They treated him in this light way, and they treated what he asked them to do as take it or leave it. Careless they became about these things. They failed to grasp the God uh, who deserves the respect and reverence, and they cast his laws behind their back. We don't want to know about those things. In, in other words, they didn't keep them in their mind. They didn't keep it at the, at the forefront of their mind. We must respect God. We must honor him by keeping his word and doing as he tells us to do. They cast his law uh, behind their backs. They didn't want to know about it. Well, friends, let us be careful. Let us as well not live in a careless way. Let it not be said of anyone here that he or she lives without uh, obedience, that he or she, this person, casts God's law behind their back, that they're not living from day to day with it ever at the forefront of their minds. And once again, God is not asking that we are perfect, but that we're sincerely doing our best to, to try and please Him, to try and keep uh, His word, and to follow Him as uh, we can. We're not forgetting what He asks us to do. If we fail to walk uh, in this, in, as He re asks us to do, well, as we've said, He may withdraw His blessings uh, from us. Things may become difficult for us. If we backslide and become worldly-minded, well, things may become very difficult for us until we repent and until we put things right again uh, with the Lord. Uh, so uh, we must uh, take care and conscientiously uh, follow the Word. And those Ten Commandments, those Ten Commandments, is summarized there, keeping those ever in our minds. Now, dear friends, if perhaps you're not a believer, Perhaps you're here and you haven't come to know the Lord. Well, I have to tell you that if you're not a believer, God cannot bless you. He, has, he will bless you maybe in a temporal way, with temporal things, and He does because He's kind. But as an unbeliever, He cannot bless you spiritually unless you first repent, unless you first turn to Him, unless you first say, Lord, I've been a rebel. Lord, I've been walking contrary to you all my life. I cannot uh, go on in this way. I do not want to go on in this way. Lord, have mercy upon me. Only when you do that and turn from your sins and return to him, then he can bless you. Then he will bless you in Christ. So friends, remember that. Come, if you haven't come to him, come in repentance and faith uh, today and you will know uh, God's blessing on your life. But I just want to close just one uh, very quickly because from verses 49 to, the, to verses 68, it's all about the final, as it were, 
judgment, them coming, nations coming from afar uh, to Israel, fierce nations will come in, invade it, and take them away to their own uh, lands. Verse 49, the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue shall, thou shalt not understand. Did this happen? Did this happen to Israel? Oh yes, on more than one occasion. They were taken into exile. You remember Babylon came swiftly and took them. Three times they invaded and took uh, the Jews away, leaving just a small remnant in Jerusalem. But also in AD 70, in Ro when Rome surrounded Jerusalem, and Titus came uh, with, his, uh, with his army and uh, with 80,000 men, uh, so Jef Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us, surrounded Jerusalem. Many of the soldiers uh, were, came from Britain, in fact, and also from France. But he recruited soldiers from these lands and they surrounded uh, the city and the, the, they, they uh, offered terms of peace. They said, come down, uh, give up. Uh, they said to the Jews, they refused. They, they laughed at all that, the, uh, that Titus was saying. And so even though they were fortified by three uh, walls, uh, they were, the Romans were able to, uh, to raise that city to the, the ground and the temple itself was destroyed and the people were taken captive. And what happened to those captives? Well, we read that many of them, those who are above 17 years of age were sent to work in the mines in Egypt. And uh, many of them, thousands, were sold as slaves, but no man would buy them. No man wanted even these uh, Jews as uh, slaves. And you can see even there in verse 68, it's uh, the final verse, the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships by the way whereof I spoke unto thee Thou shalt see no more again, and there shall ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. So that history confirms this prophetic word that was given by Moses to all those uh, uh, many years ago. Well, friends, I conclude. Uh, I hope this doesn't come across as a severe message. It's not meant to be a severe, but it does. Uh, we do sometimes need a little bit of warning as well uh, in our lives. Love the Lord, be thankful to Him, serve Him, don't cast His law behind your back, be conscientious Christians, be those who are going forward with the Lord, be those oh, friends who ever desire to please Him and He will bless you even more and you will know uh, His uh, help and the many encouragements uh, in life as well. Well, let's close by singing our final hymn, which is number 78, version 2. Give, give ear to the Lord, attend to his word, 78, version 2.